So Plavix, uh, just a little background, it's the drug of choice for preventing heart attack and stroke. Um, okay. Unfortunately, 30% of patients actually don't respond to Plavix and it's like taking a sugar pill, um, which to me, I've found alarming that 30%, right? That's a high number. And, and with Plavix, it's not like, you don't know that it's not working. It's not like, you know, your diabetes medication where you go and you have your blood sugar tested. So you could see, okay, are these medications working or not with Plavix? You're, you're not going to know you're taking it every day thinking it's working and then it's not. Um, but there was a lawsuit against the pharmaceutical companies out of Hawaii for deceptive labeling um, because the population in Hawaii is predominantly East Asian and Pacific Islanders. And they actually have up to 50% of them have a DNA variation that will make Plavix not effective. And so the pharmaceutical companies were actually ordered to pay $834 million um, from this lawsuit. And the lawsuit actually alleged that they knew about the interaction with DNA since 1998 which was only one year after it was approved, but it wasn't until 2010 that a black box warning was added to the label stating that CYP2C19 poor metabolizers should use a different medication. So that's 12 years, right, of, of people taking this medication, not even knowing because, right, they don't know. It's, not, it's still not required to test, even though it's a black box warning. So a lot of physicians still aren't doing it. Um, but- Right. Instead of looking at it, how it can, you know, save money right from the doctors and health insurance. Now it's kind of showing a way that it's costing pharmaceutical companies almost because they're being negligent, not putting that information out there for people to know when they're making these medication treatment decisions. I, I love this story because Plavix now is basically showing the world through this litigation here has shown the world that. The DNA knowledge is out there. It's out there. And this is available. So we should be testing to this. And we should be making this knowledge more available. And if the more the, more the public is aware of it, maybe out of public pressure, the pharmaceutical companies can be required to be more public and open about it and to conduct these kind of DNA tests in their trials um, as almost a requirement, I would hope. Yeah, I hope so as well. And I think what's really pushed the um, PGX being more, it's not standard of care yet, but being utilized more is that the cost of the DNA testing has gotten cheaper. And so it's a lot more affordable that I think it's more appealing to people, especially um, for those that really want to invest in their health and wellness, right? Because it might be an, a larger upfront cost than say just your doctor visit, but over your lifetime, you're going to save so much money because your health is going to be better and you're not going to have to take as many medications, which cost money. You're not going to have as many doctor appointments, which cost money. Hopefully you won't have to go to the hospital, which is also going to save money. We know hospital bills can be, you know, super expensive. So just wanting to invest in, in your health and wellness, you know, will will save you money for the rest of your life. Oh, oh Lord. Yes. The cost of a week stay at the epilepsy monitoring unit is about the same as, as a master's degree at a university uh, was back in the nineties. 
it, it's insane. So, so a five hundred dollar DNA test to be able to know um, which drugs are going to interact with your body is going to go a huge long way in being able to to save somebody with with undiagnosed or uncontrolled epilepsy down the road in testing in random medications that can cause more complications and can actually cause seizures in other parts of the brain as far as a pre preventative step that is huge and there might also be ways to um work with insurance companies as well, depending, depending again, whether it's a private insurance or a Medicaid and Medicare combination. There's things that I'm learning with special uh, disability Medicaid that, that I'm on right now um, that might be able to work with that. So, so always check with your insurance providers or whatever insurance combination you have. So don't give up hope because there might be a way. There's always a chance. I've found there's, it's always worth asking because I found some amazing. That's how I got Watsky to say, go ahead and use my song on your podcast. I asked. I just said, what the hell? I got nothing to lose, right? So it's always worth, it's always worth a shot. And, you know, if my buddy was able to get that test, then he was, he'd be armed. He could go into his neurologist and say, this is my DNA um, structure for, you know, here's my liver enzyme structure. Let's find something that's going to work best to stop these seizures and give me the minimum, minimum side effects. So I would, one of these guys is 22 years old. You think a 22 year old guy ever takes his medications? No, they don't. And it makes them feel like shit. And they can't be a 22-year-old. And, you know, that's all they want to do. They want to be out there with other young adults living, learning how to be an adult, learning, meeting girls and driving a car. And that. so the way this one-size-fits-all approach is never going to work for young adult epileptics. So I love this idea. It should be mandatory in any neuro, neuro, neurology office in my mind. So I like this. I like this. It's Plavix, right? This, this story about Plavix is really interesting. Um, what are other common PGX medications out there that you know of that people should be aware of or maybe take note of? So um, yeah, Epilepsy actually has a lot of um, medications that are metabolized by the CYP2C9 and the CYP2C19 liver enzymes. And with those around 30% also are um, have reduced enzyme activity, they're intermediate metabolizers. So, you know, that could cause the the side effects, right? Because you're having too much of the medication build up in your body. Some of the common ones for epilepsy are going to be Depakote, Phenytoin, Tegretol, Triliptal, Vimpat. Um, you know, I already, I touched on Plavix in the heart medications, but you also have Coumadin, um, Crestor, Effian, and Lopressor. Um, Coumadin is actually affected by two different enzymes, but, and with Coumadin, if you're familiar with it, they do an INR test to um, check and make sure that you are at a stable dose of your Coumadin. So depending on, it could either be not, Coumadin's a blood thinner, right? So when they're checking their INR, it's 
it's basically telling them like, if it's not working, whereas your blood is not being thinned enough, or if it's, there's too much in your body and it's thinning your blood too much, which is a concern for risk of bleeding, you know? And so a lot of times with Coumadin, we see people, you know, go to the hospital for that risk of bleeding. So it's, it's really important with Coumadin. Um, they usually titrate you up to see how you respond at the different, um, doses, but if you are a slow metabolizer, you know, maybe you need half of the starting dose and just even starting at that regular dose, you know, could thin your blood too much and then put you in the hospital for a bleed, especially if you're on other medications that also have an increased risk of bleeding. Um, Cause it is not just PGX, right? There's everything. Like I said, with the precision medicine, it takes in your lifestyle factors, um, your environmental, everything you're on, things like that. What's really, really concerning about the lack of PGX testing is with uh, depression because a third of Americans are on antidepressants and um, it's those same SIP enzymes. And like I said, 30% don't respond or have reduced enzyme activity. And then also 30% of people don't respond to their first antidepressant. So you see a lot of that trial and error in depression and that can be very expensive um, because it takes six to eight weeks just to determine if an antidepressant is working then you got to go back. So many antidepressants, even mental health medications in general, but just depression are actually affected by your DNA. You have Celexa, Cymbalta, Lexapro, Prozac, Paxil, Effexor, um, Elevil, Luvox. So that, those are all kind of like first line medications that doctors are using. And so if they're affected by the same gene, right? So say it's CYP2C19 and you're having a bunch of side effects because it's um, you're a slow metabolizer and you're on Celexa, but then they, you know, go and you come back and you try a different med, but it's that same 2CYP19, you're going to have the same results likely because it's the same enzyme. And so, but doctors aren't necessarily looking at that when they're prescribing the medications, they're just kind of, okay, this SSRI didn't work. Let's go to the next one. But it's like, if they're metabolized by the same gene, then you need to get a different medication that is not metabolized by the same liver enzyme. And then hopefully you'll have a better chance of it working. Another concerning one, which, you know, I don't know if you would have seen, but there was an article that came out the other day that medication overdose deaths are at an all-time high, right? And a lot of this is related to the opioid epidemic. So there's many medications, pain medications that um, are affected by your DNA. And so these include like Celebrex, Tramadol, and any of the codeine-based ones, right? So you have your hydrocodone, your oxycodone. So with these, if you're an ultra rapid metabolizer, you end up having too much of the medication in your body, and then you're at an increased risk of overdose. And so if we know the patient's PGX results, then hopefully the patients that are at this increased risk of overdose would use a different pain medication, a non-coding based, um, or, you know, if you need to lower the dose, this is actually kind of one of the forefront of PGX was involved with the opioid medications where a breastfeeding mother was taking a coding based product. I think it was Tylenol three. So Tylenol with codeine and the baby overdosed and died on the medication, the infant had such a high level and they didn't know why. And then until they discovered 
that the mother was a CYP2D6 ultra rapid metabolizer. And so she had so much in her body and then it was transferred through the breast milk to the infant and then the infant overdosed and died. And it's very unfortunate. And you see, I mean, like I said, adverse drug reactions are the fourth leading cause of death. Like it does happen. There's many medications that if you have too much of it, it can cause these fatal overdoses or fatal, you know, drug reactions like Steven Johnson syndrome. That's really common with uh, seizure medications um, because you just, there's too much of the drug in your system. Um, another actually interesting one that I've kind of thought about a lot in COVID is the F2, F5. So if you have a um, abnormal mutation with these, you're at increased risk of clotting. So every time I hear a story about somebody getting the COVID vaccine and they, you know, had a stroke or something happened, I'm like, oh, I wonder if they have a F2, F5 mutation, which increases the risk of clotting, right? Um, especially because it's been these young young women who are likely on birth control, which also has an increased risk of clotting. And so if you have this F2 or F5, right, then, and you're on birth control, you would want to avoid a combination birth control because estrogen has that higher risk of blood clotting and you would want to use a progesterone only birth control. Wow. Wow. So you can make informed decisions on if you had this test, like you said, this is a one and done test. You could carry this around as like your health defense card. So, boy, which which vaccine would be best for me? Then you could look at your card and get an idea of, of how that vaccine interacts and say, oh, well, this one, because like you said, you know, I'm, I'm an ultra metabolizer in this, but I'm a slower metabolizer here. So maybe I would go with this. Uh, kind of the same thing with women. Um, if you had the health defense card, the health defense PGX card at your disposal, then you can make a decision on what birth control is best for you and what combinations of medicines or you're going and getting vaccinated. You can say, well, I need to avoid this vaccine because of my PGX. Yep, 100%. And the thing is, is I feel like everyone, you know, as we kind of touched on, right, this should be kind of standard of care and everybody could benefit from it. But really the patients that kind of benefit the most are, you know, people that are on multiple medications, like three or more, um, you have a, any chronic conditions, right? So like me, I have chronic migraine, um, you know, epilepsy, especially people who are treated by multiple doctors, because it's important that you know that information, because a lot of times there is a lack of communication when you have more than one doctor. And so if you have that information yourself, then you could tell each doctor, hey, this is my DNA. Let's see how it interacts with the medications that you're considering, or even people with high health care costs, right? Because you want to try to minimize those You know, if you're on a medication that the FDA requires it or recommends, you can look at the medication label for all your medications and see if it has anything about your any genes that need to be tested or that are recommended to be tested. Um, Or if even if you have a family history of side effects medications, because there is a genetic component to it, right? So if you have family history, like say, Um, There actually are some anesthesia meds that are affected by your DNA, right? And so if you have a family member who had an adverse reaction, maybe they can't have surgery because they of their adverse reaction to anesthesia. Well, if you can test 
then you can know, okay, is anesthesia going to be safe for me or um, do I need to avoid it? Or maybe just use a different medication when you have surgery um, that you're going to be able to use without it interacting with your DNA. I love this topic because the timing of this, the timing of this is perfect for me because because of my my situation, like we spoke before I rolled tape, um, I have this crazy weird reactions to to drugs, high sensitivity to side effects. Uh, some drugs don't even work at all. I'm immune to Novocaine. Novocaine does not do squat to me. Um, so I I just think about if I had a PGX readout that I could carry with me and double check with some of these things, then I could have minimized that or even even avoided that entirely. In fact, I probably would have been a year ahead yeah. of where I am now. Had I had something like this, then half of the drugs that we've gone through, I've I've been through eight different drugs in about, I don't know, 25 plus different combinations over the past two and a half, three years now. And um, I'm just thinking to myself, if, if I had something like a PGX, PGX on myself that I could have carried to the neurologist, we could have probably avoided at least half of those. Yeah, 100%. And the thing is, is you don't know what you don't know, right? I say that all the time now. And Patients aren't that aware of it. Doctors aren't even that aware of it. Um, I've had my own issues with doctors where I know that I can't take these. Breaks your legs, you go and beat it with your crutch. It's all too much.